This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 79, recorded on the 18th of February, 2015. Today's show, In the Gloaming, Planning the Perfect Campfire. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you could show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. We've got some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com forward slash camphacker. And by the new Go Camp Pro. In a lot of ways, Go Camp Pro was built just for directors like you, people doing it all themselves. We designed this by asking ourselves, what resources do we wish that we had during our time as directors? The material will be helpful to those in their first five to seven years of directing, but so much of it is fit for camp directors who run super lean, just one or two people year-round. Join Go Camp Pro by going to gocamp.pro forward slash membership so more kids can go to better camps. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. I'm Joe Richards. I talk about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv when Travis isn't around. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains. And, and this was my 18th summer working at uh, Frost Valley YMCA this past year. Hi, my name is Gabrielle Rail. I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Oro. Uh, camp Oro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentians uh, of Quebec. And I've been at Oro for a very, very long time. And I'm Joe Richards. As I said, I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Christian Center, which is about uh, halfway between Detroit and Toronto, and it's the United Church of Canada summer camp and retreat facility. Uh, Travis isn't with us today as he's on vacation, which is great. Um, we just want to remind you that for the Camp Hacker podcast, iTunes reviews are very important. Love it if you went to camphacker.tv slash iTunes and then clicked on the ratings and reviews button. It helps us uh, get a higher rating and it makes it easier for people to find us. So as Travis isn't here today, uh, I'll be your host, however much that means. And we'll get started right away with our discussion of the week, which is uh, essentials of a great campfire program. This was a, a topic that, um, that Dan brought up and that both Gab and I think is is worth uh, some discussion time as we go. So, Dan, can you talk to why this topic and and how we'll move forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, uh, this will be in the show notes, but I did a presentation on the topic um, a few years ago, actually two years in a row in Tri-State, and it was it was the most fun I've actually had leading a session. So when we did the session, we actually just ran a campfire. Um, we, um, we basically ran it as walking into a campfire. So you can imagine being at Tri-State and expecting an educational setting and walking into a dark room with a box van in the middle of the room and uh, Christmas lights uh, strung together to be a campfire and making people participate. And uh, it was fantastic. Uh, the reviews were great, so I know that they actually liked it. And um, and I had a great time as well. But um, what I kind of learned by doing this session was that a campfire is, is really an essential component of summer camp, um, day and 
resident camp. Uh, you don't have to do a campfire at night. I did a campfire at 9 a.m. in the morning in the in the Atlantic City Convention Hall um, on that carpeted floor, and it was still a proper campfire. Um, it's, it's making sure that you really have these fundamentals um, when people um, of what people are expecting and also the experience of it. So we're, we're going to go in those fundamentals in a few seconds. But um, as a whole, uh, I really believe that when people make a, a mental model of what their camp experience is going to be, when kids are preparing for what they're going to go away to, when parents are signing the check um, for uh, for a camp experience, they want a campfire. They want the sense of community that you walk away with it. And if you do it right, it could be one of the more powerful things you do at camp. Um, and uh, it's it's not complicated to do it right. You just have to hit some real uh, keystones with it as well, too. So um, without further ado, I'll just go right into um, some basics of a campfire. Um, so the first one is welcoming in. Uh, so uh, you have to have um, some unique way, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated, of kids and staff walking into the campfire. So um, when we were at Atlantic City, what we did was people walked into a dark room and there were greeters at the door letting them know that they were walking into a campfire setting and to put their bag aside that they wouldn't be needing it. Um, and that to just quite quietly go have a seat around the campfire um, and you uh, making that for actual campfire you know we've used everything from tiki torches to um, just having a certain path that we only take for a campfire um, but having that um, getting in that mindset before they actually get to the fire is huge for kind of um, and also building the mental model but um, but really setting the stage um, it, it gives them a, uh, a few seconds to kind of transform and not be thrown into something. Um, so that is um, that's the first part is really kind of the, this welcoming and uh, making sure that people are walking in correctly. Um, and it sounds silly, but if you have to um, get to that point, um, definitely um, have something where people are meeting and staging in one area and then walking together to another it really does make a difference yeah and um, the um, second is oh yeah go, yeah go there, ahead. Sorry. there's a, a there's a a group um therapist that talks about when you're, you're you're saying welcoming in there's a group therapist uh that talks about transition ins and this is exactly what you're doing it's 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 shifting the outside tone into the in, inside tone and um, getting everybody on the same page. And it's the same thing as when you start a meeting, instead of just you know saying, okay, this is what we're doing, you find out how everybody's doing, uh, you're setting the tone for the meeting, You know, everything looks organized, um, people know where to sit. But it's a very important part uh, to get that tone right. And uh, uh, it's a really essential part. So I, I love that uh, aspect of what you're, you're talking about. It's a lot of young staff sometimes forget that's you know they they start with off with this one song, but the actual welcoming part's really really key. Yeah, no, and um, yeah, it, it just it really you know I I think of camp, um, it's this club we've created, um, but we also need to make sure that this club accepts new members, and so it gives everybody the opportunity to get in the mode of of it per se, you know. So I think it's I think it is that important. So. Um, 
Nice. So uh, the next one, um, it's um, uh, all about the setting. Um, so there's, in my mind, there's um, there's two ways. There might be more ways, but there's two essential ways that um, setting the campfire comes down to. Um, uh, one is um, uh, the, uh, a circle. So it's actually having everybody around the campfire. Um, the benefits to that are uh, that everyone is can look at each other that you can kind of keep, keep each other in line. Um, Audio-wise, um, it can be a little bit difficult, though, um, and, and this goes into the second sitting, um, which is an amphitheater, um, where it's more of a stage, like, where people are projecting a certain way. Um, and so for the camps that tend to be a little bit more about the show or about skits or about songs, the amphitheater is perfect because you everyone can see and hear properly. If you're going more for an ambience of people talking and sharing um some people refer to it as vespers um you know that type of campfire um uh, it, it's more about um a circle and feeling together as a family um it's not you still get the family feel from the amphitheater but it's not about the show per se it's more about the closeness and the um and proximity to each other so it's all about the setting and that and you literally as long as you know which one you want to do circle for amphitheater you can do it anywhere i mean again i did it in a in a conference room uh, in atlantic city on a carpet so um, we did a uh, we did a circle setting um, I always prefer circle when possible, but I really find when you get over a hundred people, you got to switch to an amphitheater. It's just not possible to to perform correctly, and and uh, people need to be engaged in the performances. Um, so that's the second point. Um, the third point, um, you know, really kind of goes into the essential camp skit. You want to make sure you have something that is funny, um, but appropriate funny um, for the age group. Uh, you know, I've watched some people, even with staff campfires, get a little inappropriate. And you really have to gauge your audience and make sure it's something that um, equally goes across platforms. Uh, there's amazing songs and skits out there. YouTube is a phenomenal resource if you don't know how to run a proper camp skit. But um, you want to have something that is hokey and that really gets people buying in and laughing. And even the people that are silent during the hokey skits are still getting a kick out of it in some way. Um, you know, so uh, it's an important to do a skit in that sense. Um, the next is, um, um, is singing a song. And um, if you can't sing, um, uh, it's okay. I have a horrible voice when it comes to singing. Um, my toddler already has a better voice and dance moves than me, um, and we make fun of it all the time. But, um, you know, it, there's songs that are more performance-like songs. Uh, a lot of them are Monty Python songs. A lot of them, um, uh, one of my favorite ones you can find on YouTube is Three Blind Jellyfish. Um, but, um, you know, there, there's a way to kind of engage people. And I also like to think of campfires as doing the high-energy activities first and um, doing the um, kind of getting the laughs and the camaraderie uh, of, of joyfulness out at the very beginning. And then... Um, and then transitioning into a quieter campfire by the end. Um, the uh, the second um, the after you leave that song um, or skit type uh, style of, of of having something joyful and funny, um, the next would be to uh, quiet them down. So having um, an activity um, that could get their attention and getting them uh, to quiet down and kind of come together. Um, the third is. Um, is then um, finding uh, the person, if it's not yourself, that can play a guitar. 
um, or can play a musical instrument that is sentimental and do something that um, has a little bit of meaning. Um, uh, we always joke that the Beatles are a great uh, point of reference for this, but uh, some song that brings people together. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of classic Motown, a lot of uh, even if it's a pop song, slow down. Um, you know, I've seen Miley Cyrus songs done really well on acoustic guitar and it brings people together, but doing some type of quiet-esque song to really channel the energy from energy to being together. Um, and uh, you're kind of doing this intuitively anyway. And, and then, Dan, um, Dan for, yeah. for the songs, how do you, how do you get everybody involved? As, as you said at the very beginning, um, in the walk-in, you you want everybody to feel welcomed. Um, with these yeah, type yeah. of songs, is are there song sheets, or do you teach just a part of the song? How does that work at uh, at your camp? Yeah, no, that, that that's um, yeah, yeah. I was actually going a little too fast, so thank you for reminding me of that. Um, uh, you know, I think I think a campfire is a display of community. So if you, as the camp director, are leading everything, you're doing it wrong, um, in my opinion. Um, you really should be having other people get involved in every aspect. So the meal before a campfire, or if you're starting, the first thing you're doing is a campfire, like going to your staff and going to kids and, and saying, uh, you can handpick people, but really making sure you, you get that person in there. And I really love the format where anyone can share. So having, if you don't want to do that in the moment, having an ability for people to sign up a few hours beforehand. So they come in very intentional, um, and then ask them what type of, when they're signing up, is this a song? Is this a skit? Is it more energy or is it more bringing the group together? Um, and, and really using that positive framing with it. But yeah, that's a great question. Um, and then the uh, last is, um, after you've done all this, is having some form of a wrap-up ceremony. Um, so um, a wrap-up ceremony is, is really, um, it's putting a bow on it, for lack of better words. You've had this special experience together so far, and you're, you're wrapping it up, um, sometimes with a speech, sometimes with a song. I personally like to give out something um, that people remember. So when we did it in Atlantic City at the convention hall, we bought cheap plastic poker chips, and we gave them to everybody. And we talked about how this poker chip, um, will, whenever you look at it, will remind you of the time we spent together here in this conference center. And I still have my poker chip, and people are carrying them throughout the conference. Um, for our summer camp, we give out a patch with the year um, that they're at camp. So we really look forward uh, look for that in people and, and, and looking and, and bringing people together. So those are the things that we um, – we do for a campfire. And I really believe, um, in every step, um, you know, uh, you have to do what's appropriate for your camp. If your camp doesn't sing, you know, don't work in the songs if it's forced. Um, if your camp does not like comedy, um, and, uh, you know, then I feel sorry for you, but, um, then don't do the skit, you know, but I, I really think that you have to, um, essentially bring people in, channel their energy together, get their energy up, channel it together to bringing them, uh, together as a group and then uh, and then wrapping it up in some way you just can't end it um, willy-nilly but that's uh, the basics of a campfire um, for me and again I'll have this presentation in the show notes so you could see uh, see all the text out um, in that sense you don't have to rewind the podcast but um, but yeah so and how many hey Dan a quick 
quick question. How many campfires? Yeah, and I think I was going to ask the same thing. How many campfires do you do in a regular session? So how long is your session left for kids? And how many campfires yeah. would they see in that session length? Okay, so we do, um, we have two week long sessions. And um, what the kids think and what we actually do are two different things. So what the kids think is we have an opening and closing campfire, meaning we have a campfire at the beginning of the session, and then we have a campfire at the end of the session, the, the first night and the last night. Um, and um, what we actually do is we actually do the same style um, at, uh, halfway through the session on Sunday morning. We call it morning reflection. It's mimicking a campfire. It's just it's just Sunday morning and it's bright daylight. Um, and we also do this a little bit with something we call Vespers, um, depending on the age group. And that tends to be more about just sharing um, uh, some people do perform like a, a quieter song, but that, um, we do that through the session depending on the age group. So I would say anywhere from two to four times, um, definitely, definitely in a one week camp experience, we're making sure to do an opening campfire and then our closing campfire is very abbreviated. Um, so if we do an opening campfire, it's an hour long, we'll do a closing campfire. That's a 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, but we do it for everything that we do. Um, we, we, I think of it as kind of the opening and the closing of, of a camp session. So. Gab, did you have, um, did you have anything to uh, questions for Dan or anything to add? No, no, I was, uh, I w it was the same question, Joe. <laughs> how many, how many times uh, in the summer does a camper experience that type of campfire? Yeah. So, so um, if a kid's staying multiple sessions, they'll go to a bunch, um, you know, they'll go, they'll, they go to, a, they go to a few. So. Yeah, we were talking earlier before we started recording about the, the fact that at, at Pierce Williams, and at, I grew up in United Church Camping, which tends to be a one-week session, right? You show up on a Sunday, you go home on Friday, and we do campfire every night. So there'll be a campfire Sunday, Monday, on Tuesday. We skip campfire because it's sleep out so that they're in charge of their own campfire, and then we do Wednesday, Thursday. And on Fridays, we've taken to doing a um, our parent closing campfire, which doesn't often involve a fire, um, but it's an all-request campfire where kids can choose their favorite songs from the week to do while the parents are there um, before we leave. And so our campfires are really based around um, staff um, picking a theme. So we, we pick a theme, and, and they... They try to introduce all the. They try to pick songs that go with that theme to bring that energy up. Um, and then Thursday night campfires are normally run by the leadership team, um, with a, a special focus on the leadership team skit. So every year we try to do a. I, I'm involved in a a skit that involves myself and the summer camp director and, and some others. Um, and every year that skit changes, um, and sometimes people request that skit over and over again. I wanted to share a story about my introduction to Campfire, which this would be um, the Ontario Camp Association Counselor Conference in 1989, just to put a date on it. And I, um, <laughs> I'm floored because we go as a small camp, as Kennesaree Camp, we go to Toronto, some big high school in Toronto. There are literally over a thousand camp counselors at this conference. So we're not talking about camp directors. We're talking about camp counselors, people on the ground working with the kids. And it floored me because it was my first experience of seeing that camp was so big, right? That there were so many others involved in doing what we do just someplace else. And I remember at that day-long um, conference attending a session on 
fires. And in Florida, the guy who led that session um, brought out a graph of how a campfire should be run. And it was a graph about, you know, starting here and, and getting high energy here and, and then slowing it down. And, and in my mind, I made fun of that graph for years, um, although it is the way that I think about campfire now and, and the way, Dan, that you explained it as well, right? That you're going to start off with high energy and fun and then you're going to slowly quiet them down from the mid-campfire. I just didn't know that – I didn't think and still to this day don't think that a graph is the best way to, to illustrate that to a bunch of camp. Um, counselors who are teenagers. Um, later on, I, unbeknownst to me until I figured it out, I actually worked for that gentleman for a summer um, at his camp. So it was even funnier when I figured that out um, about the campfire program. But it is truly something that uh, I put a lot of weight on the power of campfire to affect a child's summer camp experience because it's something they see every day and it, for a lot of our campers on their surveys, it's the best part of summer camp for them. Yeah. Every, I, I, I've seen that for teens. I, I, I've seen teens say that, um, you know, like, you know, that have, you have to think of like a 15 year old that has so many things to entertain them in the world. And the thing they're dying for more than nothing else when their camp experience is, is to be around a bunch of people and listen to me sing about a blind jellyfish getting thrown off a rock, you know, like, it's just like, that's the power of camp is getting people to believe. Yeah. And I love the concept of, um, and Gab was saying that, um, that her girls don't play guitar a lot. Um, that's one of the challenges we've had at Pierce Williams is finding, finding people who can play an instrument and play in front of others right and be willing to put themselves out there i was just at the american camping association national conference leading a session for the uh, epic folk the emerging professionals in camping and and my session was 10 10 songs 10 games and 10 ideas to make your camp super awesome and and a, a gentleman came up to me at lunch you know midway through the session and he said i knew that you were a guy I wanted to to hear what he had to say when you were willing to sing in front of a bunch of grown adults. And it seems like you don't care what we think about your singing. I, was like, I, I said, I don't care what you think about my singing. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that's, you know, creating that safe environment. Um, and that's why having being perfect isn't always the best way to, to lead your campfires. I mean, you want to be prepared, but you don't need to be perfect. Um, yes. And, and, and for, you know, I grew up going to, to a couple of camps and one of my fondest memories was um, going to Circle R Ranch because uh, like you, Joe, um, at Pierce, uh, at Circle R Ranch, we, we did campfires almost every single evening. Um, they just happen to be one of those camps that are, that are blessed with a lot of people that can play the guitar and sing, you know, very, very well. And I know that that's a cultural, you know, within camps, if you have that, it, it you know, it, it inspires your CITs to do it, it inspires your campers to do it. I mean, I have lots of friends that purchased a guitar because they want to be like that camp counselor when they're campers. Um, but at Waro, we, we just don't have that, that culture of, of people picking up a guitar. And I tried. We have a couple of guitars and nobody uh, plays them. We have a lot of piano players. Uh, but what we did about uh, four years ago was buy a whole bunch of ukuleles and um there is a ukulele wave going on right now if you're unaware <laughs> there is a lot of people that are enjoying playing ukuleles they cost about 30 dollars. you can get them in a whole bunch of different colors and uh i knew that there were some staff members that liked uh playing ukulele and so uh in the afternoon 
we had during our free time, camper free, uh, you know, uh, free play time. Um, we'd had like just ukulele, little mini jam sessions. And now, you know, there's so many people that can play it. Um, so if you do want to shift your camp culture in a musical way, it's, it's perhaps trying to find the right instrument and uh, giving them time for giving those staff members time to help teach some campers and then also creating that safe environment that it's cool. It's okay to make mistakes, you know, just, you know, make sure that you're prepared. But um, um, another thing that we like doing is on our first welcoming campfire, we have campers that were first year campfire uh, campers the year before and they talk about their experience at Waro and and um, how to make friends and how they felt like they were welcomed and as you're talking about Dan sort of creating that that tone of you know doesn't matter if you're new or you've been here for five six ten years um, you know you're accepted and I think that also when you're saying you know um, it's a display of community you don't only want staff members up on stage um, and uh, that was some uh, Emily Trudeau, one of my staff members, started that about five years ago. And it's been a very powerful part of setting the tone for our community is having these uh, first year from the year before talk about their camp experience. And uh, it's one of my favorite parts of our opening campfires. You, you brought up a, a really great point. You know, the, the, it's not being perfect. Um, I have uh, I have children and adults here with disabilities, and one of the camp parts I was leading um, was years ago. Uh, uh, a child got up and was imitating me the entire campfire, and that's how she was interacting with the campfire. And it was very funny. And I, I like after a, a minute, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to roll with this." And she literally did the rest of the campfire by my side, and that's how she was processing the campfire. And it wasn't rehearsed, and it was. Um, it was awesome. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's still, um, yeah, it was just great. You know, and I don't think, I think, uh, those moments are when you're with your family, you know, like when you're with your family, how often is the moment perfect, but uh, something goes wrong and you or not wrong per se, but something goes off the path that you were originally on and you just roll with it and, uh, you make the most of it, you know? Well, and that's one of the key components of a great campfire leader is the ability to adjust as you're going. Because there's oftentimes, I find when we run a daily campfire, sometimes it'll start late due to whatever program issue or or something will be going on. and Or the, the people who planned campfire didn't plan it within the time frame. So we have a 45-minute time frame that we do campfires in every night. And if you if you extend beyond that a bit, it goes into, you know, getting ready for bedtime and vespers and all of those things. So it can it throw it off. And what I find is when you can roll the punches and really just so if it's a, um, one of those special special additions to campfire like you had, Dan, or if you know somebody doing something and, and you're playing with that, or if it's going too long and you just have to cut songs, um, it's the ability to do those things on the go to figure out where the energy's at, where, what's the best way to do this, and and to make sure everybody is aware that if I cut your song, it's nothing to do with you. It's just to do with making campfire uh, either fit the timeline or be better finish a better time, right? Versus something that goes on and on. Um, one of the challenges we have is some of our skits can go on for a long time. I'm not sure if anybody else experiences this, but we have a, a couple of... Um, I had a note to talk about skits versus stunts versus stories, right? So what the way we just um, uh, define those is a skit is something where it's, you know, people acting. It's a small play. Um, a stunt is where you bring other people into um, that uh, that experience. So it could 
be that you're going to get them with a, a sponge or, or do something. And we find it very important in today's day and age to, to make sure that those people are either aware that this is going to happen to them or and, and be willing to play along. Um, or you only choose staff members who we talk to them during staff training. But the fact that over the course of the summer, you might be put on stage and something could happen to you. And it's we're not making fun of you. It's for the entertainment of the kids. Versus stories, which we I love stories to close a campfire, right? Uh, it's a nice, quiet time to tell a, you know, a, a story. Um, one of my favorite books when and I actually picked it up at that same conference in 1989 was um, um, Stories for Around the Campfire. And, and I still use it to this day. And it's just, you know, some stories have morals, some are stories, but, but stories can, can really quiet kids down as we go as well. So I'm not sure if you guys, what your, what your take is on stunts versus skits versus stories. Um, I'm open to it as long as the energy level's the right time. Uh, I think it's all timing. You know, when you get a something high energy at the end of a campfire, um, it could... It's not a bad thing per se, but I think it, you know, I think it throws off what you're trying to build on, and that you could try and build it back that way, you know. But again, it's rolling with the rolling with the punches, for lack of better words, you know. Yeah, seeing how it goes. Yep. And I, I don't, and and also it's uh, not to state the complete obvious, but I think that um, it's good to restate to your staff that are running running these programs your guidelines, and uh, you know. If they didn't grow up at your camp, then they might not know that perhaps, um, you know, um, ghost stories or scary stories aren't appropriate at campfires. You know, that's something that was done a long time ago, but the goal isn't to scare people or to make fun of people at the expense of others. Or, you know, I, I think that I think that those guidelines need to be or those misconceptions need to be um, clarified uh, so that. And, and that perhaps you view or your head programmer is looking over all of the program decisions of that campfire because everybody is usually involved and because you want to create a safe place, you also have to make sure that those, those boundaries are clear. Yeah. And boundaries are the important fact. There's a couple of other points I had written down, um, which were, uh, starters, right? Uh, there's a couple of things we years I attended a session oh, at the IMCAP Leadership Workshop Gab in like the mid-90s. I attended a session about making Campfire more magical. And um, uh, Jim Penner, is that his name, from Silver Lake, I believe, um, he led this session and he talked about magic campfire lightings, right? The idea that if you're going to make Campfire this magical moment, which um, if like at, at Valley, or I worked at the Taylor Staten camps. They did one council ring per month. Council ring was a very specialized thing where both the boys' camp and the girls' present, and it was a very um, ceremonial thing that they've been doing since the 20s. Uh, but what we've done here is I've started to introduce, um, and this is years ago, I've introduced uh, numerous camps, like magic campfire lightings, right? Where you can light the campfire in a way that makes people literally gasp in like how did you do that and and there's the other magic campfire lightings where you know like an arrow can come down on a string because i don't trust anyone to shoot an arrow at a at a campfire with uh, some sort of accelerant in it but there's other magic campfire lightings that uh can really set that moment for the kids and we only do it it's not like we do it if we do four or five campfires a, a week magic campfire 
only takes place once a week at most. Um, and only if I'm in the mood um, to really set it off. Um, and then the other thing we sometimes do when I lead a campfire is starters, right? So instead of start with a song, sometimes you start with uh, um, be it a chant or something that gets the, the group engaged right from the beginning where they're included in it. So we have a, an OWA chant uh, where I have one of the groups singing OWA and a second group I have them chant uh, Hafu and a third group I have them chant Lamai. But when you put it together and, and so when I point at them, they say it, right? So Lamai, OWA, Tafu. Lamai, Owa, Tafu. And then when you put it in order after they're responding to your pointing, it actually says Owa, Tafu, Lamai, which is the whole campfire. They don't often get that they're saying Owa, Tafu, Lamai, but I, I can laugh to myself as the staff laugh as well. And when to get it, they find it entertaining. We also start with rain sometimes, making it rain around the campfire. Just something to get them engaged to know that it's somewhere different than just the dining hall or, or something different. I, um, there's just one other thing I wanted to um, make sure to mention. Um, I think it's really important when you do a, a staff campfire um, uh, during staff training. I, I, I think it's important, A, to do one, um, but um, uh, B, that you're the first skit um, or song or speech or whatever, but you're the first person out the gate. Um, I personally like doing something funny um, just because – it shows that like, oh, the boss let his guard down, then I can let my guard down too. I mean, hopefully you're not that type of boss to, to begin with, but if it is a great reminder of how approachable you could be if you're doing something that's making yourself look a little bit foolish. Um, you know, do with what you're comfortable with. Um, I, uh, they're, they're, I'll, I'll give the video in the show notes of the last thing we did. It was pretty amusing um, as well. We did a whole... Uh, uh, a whole uh, ribbon dancing ceremony. So, uh, but I'll include that in the show notes. It, it was pretty amusing. <laughs> so, um, it's uh, yeah, my wife definitely makes fun of it. So, but yeah, that's awesome, Dan. Can I ask you a question about your wrap up ceremony? When you talk about patches, and I know I've seen your patches. I've 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 got the folder stored somewhere on my computer, and and we've talked for for years here about introducing patches. For do you do you give patches out? Um, at every campfire, because there would be new kids, or, or once a session, I assume. Um, and do they have the year, like would they have 2015 on them, or this year, or would they have 2014, or just the year they're at camp, right? So they're a second or third or Yeah, we just concentrate, we concentrate the year they're at camp, um, you know, so we, um, our patches, that basically has a symbol for the camp, and then what we do is um, we have each unit leader come up and uh, we say, okay, we are going to celebrate the time you're at camp. So when we announce your year that you've been at summer camp only, um, we want you to get up and we want you to come find your unit leader and they're going to give you um, a patch. And in exchange, you're going to give them a high five, a handshake, a hug, or ET. And ET is when you just touch fingers. Um, um, but um yeah, so uh, you you're gonna exchange those two things, but this is a huge sim, uh, huge symbol of the time you've put in here. And when you look back at this patch, we want you to remember not only this moment but the camp set. Hopefully, you're coming back to get your year two, three, four, five, six, and becoming a staff member. Um, but just always remember that even if you only spend one summer with us, if this was your only experience, that you're part of this family forever. And um, yeah, and then we then then we uh, 
as we announce each year, we do it. Um, so we'll do ones and twos and threes and so on. Um, we do a round of applause for everyone that's getting up as well too. So that everyone's being celebrated because everybody's put some time into the program. And then it's nice too, because you get the kid that's been there forever being really recognized for their time being put in on the same platform that the, the child that that was there for the first summer. So everyone's walking away with something that's equal in some aspects. Um, I've heard of other camps, doing a little bit differently they do the the year so they'll do a 2015 gift or they'll do um or they'll do uh um something for the five and the 10-year campers you know whatever works for your camp you know your camp better than than i do in that sense but uh, i really believe in having some form of a wrap-up and having some token to walk away with to remember the fire there was one year the patches got the lay in the mail and everybody took a wood chip from the campfire <laughs> and they held on to that wood chip and there's some kids that still have their wood chips to this day they remind me of that um so but just something um it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to cost money for your patches dan um and this this is beside campfire talk what do you where did where do they put them I know that my daughter's part of Girl Guides here in Canada, and my and my my son was part of Scouts. And right, they have a either a blanket or a, a sash to put them on. Does for your patches? Do you have something that they put them on, or what do you see campers doing? Yeah, um, so that's actually an area of growth for us. Um, we right now I see people, a lot of people putting it on their backpacks and putting it on blankets. Um, we tried a bandana and uh, for kids to put it on, and it just didn't take off. Um, you know, we didn't give a bandana to every single person we put it in our camp store, but the kids just didn't latch onto it. So I've heard some people have them in frames at home. Some people keep their most recent one in their wallet. Um, but uh, we really kind of let the person interpret with that. But I would love to. Um, I've been talking about getting some set frames in the store with just simple backdrop um, printed um, that we could print in-house um, and putting that in the frame of, of your a patch outline um, in that sense. But for right now, we don't actually yeah. have something that the patches go on. Uh, the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts do a much better job of that, you know, in that sense. But Okay. That's great. Gab, did you have anything else to, to talk about the essentials of a great campfire? Uh, no, I think, I mean, as... <laughs> You know when we say no and then we continue? <laughs> that is a common theme <laughs> on Camp Hacker. Uh, yes. <laughs> absolutely not. Let me tell you this wise story I have stored up for you guys. Uh, I, think, I think really if, you, if you're trying to create um, a good campfire, that there's, there's an arc to it, as, as Dad said. And if you're trying to create a, uh, you know, a culture of you know, a lot of campfires... Um, that starts with your staff training, that starts with input from your staff, and it, and it starts with them practicing. And um, so, you know, I, I, you know, it's very possible. I had a camp director that asked me if I could come to their camp and, you know, run a campfire so that their whole camp would become, you know, a campfire-type centered organization. And my advice to him was, you know, sit down with your key staff members, talk about why you want this to be a focus, and come up with a plan on how to do it and make it a three-year plan. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's your site that needs development. Sometimes you need to buy a bunch of ukuleles and sometimes you need to give, you need to build that into your staff training and bring everybody in on that goal. But it is, I don't think there's any argument over or dispute that this is an important part of the camp, whether it's with a fire or not. Uh, it's an amazing community builder and it, and it really does create memories. Yeah. Dan, any final comments? Um, 
No, you know, I think I think uh, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I think uh, with a campfire, you really um, you really need to role model this. You need, this is the one time I view in our jobs that don't worry about the parent phone call. Don't worry about what else is going on. Be at this moment because this is your community. And that is awesome. My final comments are, are very similar to, to teach. We we put a lot of emphasis on how to lead songs, how to teach songs. So, um, and we also uh, try to model that behavior from uh, from up. So every Sunday, it's our leadership team who does the opening campfire. So it sets the scene for the campers. Uh, and the other thing, and just a brief story, last summer, some of my staff challenged me to do an entire campfire by myself, um, skits and everything, which is not in my mind i was just like okay you know i have campfires in my back pocket like a list of songs that i can do and um and it was more doing some of the skit solo is a bit awkward but funny very funny to do a skit that takes seven actors by yourself uh time consumed but also funny to me and, and never to be done again was the was the trick because it took way too long um but that's it for the essentials of a great campfire program, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to um, to let us know, and and we'll try to get answers to those as we go. It's a uh, it's now time for our tool of the week. Tool of the week. This is a tool that you use to make your job easier for being a better director um so you uh, we have three tools today from all of our guests uh, i'll go first and then i'll pass it on to uh, to gab and then dan so my tool of the week this week is audacity audacity is a, a a program that you can download and record audio with on your computer there are many many that can do this audacity was one of the front runners um i am just in the process of starting a new uh project because i can never start too many projects um to record some old camping articles out of the Canadian Camping Magazine, and uh, Audacity is going to be the program I use to to record those and those. And it's great. I've used it for years to put. Uh, years ago, I started something on my website at yoyo.com for a Thursday camp song, which I haven't continued. But um, I would record me singing the song and then put the lyrics on the on the blog so that people could see the lyrics and hear the song so they they would have those things and I use audacity for that for years so my tool of the week this gives audacity and the download note is in the show notes gab what's your tool of the week this week uh, my tool is pocket uh, pockets an app where you can basically view articles or videos um, later without Wi-Fi so for camp directors that are in the middle of nowhere and have their limited access to Wi-Fi and want to look look up their articles or if you're traveling and you don't have a database while you travel um, it's a really great little app and it also helps organize your the content that you have and it's also pretty to look at which is important for some Yes, I'm a user of uh, Pocket as well. I use it uh, all the time. Yeah. Dan, what's your tool of the week? Um, So mine, as usual, is a book. Um, It's Total Leadership by Stuart Friedman. (laughs) And so um, I'm taking this class on Coursera. If you haven't taken a class on Coursera, it's awesome. I think I've talked about that before. But um, the book is uh, basically about balancing your values in life with your job and how if you get the right balance that you will um, 
you will succeed better. So um, this book, Total Leadership, is all about the theory behind why you should be doing it. And then he has another book out um, uh, about specifically about leading the skills. Sorry, I was looking for the book. I didn't see it. Um, uh, but uh, in particular about the, uh, the skills you need in order to do it. Um, and he profiles some certain people that do it well. But uh, I, yeah, I really believe as camp directors, we need to know our boundaries and need to have a healthy and happy family life as well as um, uh, as well as in our jobs, you know, so I think, I think they go hand in hand. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really great read. Yeah. And that's a lot of, that's what a lot of people that's are, awesome. that's what a lot of people are, you know, will have to come to terms with or are dealing with, you know, right now, um, with you, Dan, yeah. you know, having a young family and, um, you know, it's also role modeling. I, I, I really think that the, sort of just doing it all and, and, you know, bringing the candle at both ends is not, is not the best role modeling for your staff and you're not going to be effective in the end. So I love that you're taking courses. I haven't heard of you talk about Coursera, but okay, it just, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a free platform. I took one last, um, um, last fall or, uh, the Beatles I'm taking two right now on the Beatles <laughs> and the Rolling, uh, on the Rolling Stones and on, um, uh, total leadership. And it's really, you know, a lot of it is just stuff I already do. It's just goal setting. And it's just reminding me how by being in the camp profession, we're already so far ahead of the game. It's more just making, it's more just putting our, um, words to action for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you know, uh, my wife will often criticizes me that I have the best advice for other people, but I just, if I follow my own advice, I'd probably be better off sometimes. (laughs) Um, so, uh, that's her, her jab at me. She'd be proud that I said that out loud. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, um, my, I'm actually very, um, proud of the people I work with. Um, we do a book club here. And so we just read homesick and happy and we're going to read the second book. Um, let me, give me one second. I'll t- get the title of it. Um, it is, uh, leading the life you want skills for integrating work in life. So that is the actual skill portion. That's not the theory portion, but we're going to start, I haven't read this book yet, but we're going to start reading it together as a group. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's just something I know it's always on my brain, but I think it's something uh, important to just take head on and not let it be a byproduct in your life. No, and, and Dan, I think that this is uh, talking with camp directors a couple of weeks ago at, at ACA National. It's something that a lot of people really, this work-life balance and um, and it as well, which is what Coursera and, and all of these are is is key uh and i think that we can't talk enough about it we could do a whole podcast on just uh setting and, and things we're you know things we're individually working on if we're willing to share those so it's an interesting idea uh so at this point in the podcast it is time for us to sign off let's uh let's let gab and dan tell you where you can find out more about them gab uh, yep. So if you want to see where I work, you can check out uh, uh, waro.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Gabrielle Rail. Perfect. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Dan, where can we find out more about you? Yeah. So I work at Frost Valley YMCA, which is frostvalley.org. And I uh, tweet at Dan Loves Camp and also blog at the same danlovescamp.com. So that, that's where you can find me. That's awesome. 
Thanks, Dan. And for me, you can find out uh, personal stuff uh, that I do at yoyojo.com, Y-O-Y-O-J-O.com. And you can find out all about where I work, which is Pierce Christian Center um, and online. Um, life is good. Camp is better. So that's Camp Hacker for this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love, we'd be so grateful if you'd go back to uh, camphacker.tv slash love, and that link will get a tweet ready for you that talks about the show, and you can tweet that out. We want to thank you, um, thank you for listening, and to thank our editor and producer, Matt Hansberg, for volunteering to help us get the show out for you. Uh, you can find our show notes and all of our past tools of the week on camphacker.tv. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus. <laughs>